our whole identity, our personality, our way of moving through the world is organized around the story we tell ourselves about who we are, who we think other people are, how we think the world works. Hi, I'm Rosie Acosta. I'm a meditation teacher, speaker, and author of You Are Radically Loved, A Healing Journey to Self-Love. Look, I grew up in East Los Angeles during the 92 LA riots, and it set me on a troubled path. I didn't grow up with mentors in my life, so I turned to reading as many books as I possibly could to learn about the purpose of life. In my journey, I found that having these conversations gave me life, and I decided I wanted to create a place where I could share these conversations with my community. So come have a sit with me as we learn about, well, everything. Welcome back to the Radically Loved Podcast. I'm joined by a very special guest. We have the best-selling author of The Story of You. And I have to say this, the subtitle, right, because I want you to explain it to us. An Enneagram Journey to Becoming Your True Self. So we have Ian Morgan. Is it Cron or Crone? It's Cron. So do you have any other Cron writer relatives? No. There's this woman, her name is Lisa Cron, and she wrote this book called Wired for Story. She's a teacher at UCLA. And when I first saw your name in my inbox, I was like, I wonder if he's related to Lisa, you know, these really prolific writers heading into my inbox. So no, no relation. No relation, but it sounds like someone I should get to know. <laughs> yeah, no, she's really, she's incredible. Ian, thank you so much for being here today. I am so excited to have this conversation with you. And I can't wait to share with my audience your expertise. And we have already so many things in common. And I, I'm so excited to get to know you. Vice versa. Thank you. So Enneagrams, this is something that's been popping up on my feed a lot over the last couple of years. And I have done just a little bit of research, but not a lot. I think just with all these different human design things and horoscopes and numerology, you know, all of these different ways to get to know ourselves better. I personally, I get really overwhelmed if I don't understand something. So I'd love to just have you explain to us what Enneagrams are and how they can help us be more of our truest selves. Well, thank you. And I will say that I don't know of any system that's better at helping people develop self-knowledge than the Enneagram. And I have worked with just about all of them, from Myers-Briggs to Colby oh, to yeah. Hogan to all of these different systems, which I, I love all of them, but I just find that the Enneagram is kind of a superior tool. So the Enneagram is this ancient personality typing system. It teaches that there are nine basic personality types in the world, one of which we gravitate toward and adopt in childhood as a way to cope, to protect ourselves, to feel safe, and to navigate the new world of relationships in, in which we find ourselves. The system is uncannily accurate. It's accessible. It's something you can begin to work with right away. I think that the benefits of it are not only understanding your own inner architecture, but what it does is it gives you what I call a low-resolution picture of the interior worlds of other people. And what does that do? It arouses compassion, empathy, 
the ability to better communicate with those that you love or communicate with someone behind the register at Publix. You know what I mean? Yeah. It just has a innumerable applications. I've seen it save marriages, bring estranged parents and children back together again because the power of learning about how different people see the world is a game changer. Yeah, I love that so much. And I, I'm such a huge fan of understanding human connection at a deeper level. And for me, any tool that's going to help me connect with another person is always welcome. So you said that there are nine different types. Can you explain what the nine different types are? And how do we find out who we are? Yes. Well, there are two ways to learn, uh, maybe three. One is, and we can talk about this at the end of the show as well, but I wrote a primer on the Enneagram called The Road Back to You, which is a great start too, you know, because it's like a really easy to read introduction to the Enneagram. It's kind of entertaining. It's kind of fun Mm -hmm. to read as well. But there are assessments. I have one on my website, ways that people, but they may actually just get a glimmer of their type as I described the nine types. Now, I could literally write at least 200 pages on each of these types, but I'm going to give you like three, I'm going to give you like three sentences. Okay. Okay. Got it. Because we don't have the time. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) So ones are called the improvers. They used to be called the perfectionists, but I've changed their, their signifier. These are people who see a world in which everything around them feels like a mistake. Mm. You know what I'm saying? That needs correcting. They have a bound, they feel this obligation to correct mistakes. And so the way they get their needs met in the world is through perfecting themselves, others, and the world. Twos are called the helpers, warm, supportive, generous, self-sacrificing, kind, servant-hearted. These are people who really want to be liked. Now, everybody wants to be liked. Twos really want to be liked, okay? (laughs) And their strategy for getting people to like them is uh, to meet other people's needs. Mm. They're always there. And at the same time, not acknowledging their own personal needs, right? That's really hard for them. Threes are called the performers, ambitious, driven, type A, these are people who have to win and they're motivated by a need to succeed, to appear successful and to avoid failure at all costs. Fours are called the romantic, sometimes the individualists. I am a four on the Enneagram, so clearly it's the best number. I think uh, the fours are disproportionately represented in the arts. So highly creative, imaginative, can be moody, self-absorbed, and melancholy. They can be all of that stuff. Think Amy Winehouse. Think Kurt Cobain. These are all sort of classic fours on the Enneagram. And they have a need to be special and unique. And the reason for that is they have this feeling or perception that there's something important missing in their essential makeup. And the only way they can compensate for it and feel like they're whole or the only way they think they can attain belonging in the world is through being special and unique. Fives are called the individualists. They are the most analytical number on the Enneagram, the most emotionally detached number on the Enneagram. They have so many wonderful gifts. They are motivated by a need to conserve physical energy, to aggregate or collect as much information as they possibly can in order to fend off feelings of inadequacy you know, or feeling inept. Sixes are called the loyalists. 
they're warm, they're funny, they're practical, they're down to earth. We think there are more of them than any other type on the Enneagram. These are people who have a deep need to feel safe, secure, and certain in what to them feels like a pretty chaotic world. So these are people, you know this type. These are people who are always scanning the horizon for what could go wrong, right? My entire family. Okay. And so the reason for that is they feel like if I can just mentally rehearse all the time for what I would do when this catastrophe or that catastrophe or that catastrophe happens, then I'll be certain and secure in this chaotic world. As a friend of mine who's a six likes to say that all sixes suffer from pre-traumatic stress disorder. (laughs) It's hilarious. Actually, that might be me too. Who knows? Okay. Yeah. So sevens are called the enthusiasts. These are the joy bombs of the Enneagram. Fun, spontaneous, adventurous, very creative, quick-witted. These are people who are so future-oriented, thinking about the next escapade, exciting adventure, a world of unlimited possibilities in order to really fend off the feeling that they can't deal with unpleasant or distressing feelings or situations or thoughts, okay? Eights are called the challengers, blunt, notoriously interested. In, they, they love a good debate. My mother is an eight. This is what we say about my mother. My mother could start an argument in an empty house. That is oh. my mother. And so, but what they do is they they have a need to assert strength and power over the environment and other people in order to fend off feelings, in order to really to mask feelings of vulnerability and weakness. Okay. Nines, the peacemakers. I'm married to one, father to one, wonderful human beings. The nine is deeply motivated by a need to stay connected to other people, to preserve inner peace and external peace. And the way they do that is by avoiding conflict at all costs. Mm. Now, like I said, I got 200 pages on each of those types. So that's yes. just a teeny little thumbnail of each. Yeah. Oh, I love that. It's interesting because even as you're saying that, I'm weighing this for myself because I do recognize a little bit of each one in my mind. I'm assessing, oh, that sounds like me, or that sounds like me, or that sounds like me. But I think it ultimately takes a deep self-inquiry to be able to say, okay, this actually feels more resonating to who I am. And I enjoy that. I mean, I think it's great. We talked before we started recording about the practices of meditation and mindfulness and anything that involves self-inquiry is always exciting for me. I can sit and just meditate all day long. And if I didn't have to deal with the outside world, I would be totally content and just happy just going in and living in there. And I think a lot of that has to do with just wanting to know more, wanting to understand the world more, wanting to understand myself more. But I think the crux in that is, and in any, I think, self-inquiry type of practice, depending on what your number type is, it's like too much of a good thing can be a bad thing, right? Yes. And so that's one of the wonderful things about the Enneagram. And just to circle back to something that you said, Actually, Rosie, you contain all nine types, and that's why you will resonate with something about each of those numbers as you hear it. However, there's one that's more like you than the other eight. So, and what's important to do is to listen to what the unconscious need or motivation is 
of each type because that sort of determines the which of those you are. But obviously, we have features of all of them. Mm-hmm. But there is one that's sort of your default. It's like you just click into it more than you do to any of the others. And that takes a little bit of discernment. But if you do a little bit of reading, it doesn't have to be that hard. Yeah. Why do you think it's so important for us to learn about ourselves? Well, I mean, so many reasons. I think it's very hard to move through the world with real emotional or spiritual wisdom apart from self-knowledge. I meet a lot of people who are just in the trance of their own egos, in the trance of self. They kind of operate mechanistically. It's like they're automatons. They just go through life on autopilot, and they don't know why they keep making the same mistakes over and over and over again. They can't explain these predictable, habitual patterns of acting, thinking, and feeling Mm. that actually kind of govern their lives. It's like they're not in control, really. It's like it's just like they're being bombarded by unconscious forces. So they're just like Pinocchio on strings being bounced around, right? So I think self-knowledge and self-awareness are just sort of key predictors of success in relationships. I, I feel like as I've grown in self-awareness and self-knowledge, I, I'm not a navel gazer. That's not the point. Actually, the point is, how do I love myself and others better? Mm. And I just think it's hard to do that when you don't understand yourself or even the people who are around you. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that we would be in a completely different world if we spend a little more time asking ourselves who we are and what we actually want in life and assess whether or not we are striving for happiness instead of continually separating ourselves from everybody else and finding more things that make us different than everybody else. Obviously, this stems from my own study of Buddhism and and yoga and these different types of modalities and, and what radical love really is. And so Another question. I'm like, I have so many questions. I'm trying to figure out. I'm like, where do we go? Because because I have so many. I feel like I like what you said about how this ultimately makes us better. I don't want to say better or like we're striving to to create this. Like there's this pinnacle that we get to, right? This pinnacle of enlightenment or we get to this pinnacle of, okay, now that I understand myself fully, all my problems are resolved. I mean, I know that that's really not the end all be all, but I think when there is a desire to inquire within and get to a place where we have a deeper understanding, it it does create a equal or it, it creates more equanimity, right? Mm-hmm. So saying that, what do you think is going to happen to us? <laughs> <laughs> Man, that's a kind of a big question, Rosie. I, I, uh, I, I, hold on, let me just sort of like uh, consult with my little magic ball over here to my right. You know, I don't know. You know, it's interesting. I think I obviously care about the world, and uh, I have children. I want this world to become a healthier, safer, more beautiful experience for them. That said, I mean, I think part of my work is starting with me. You know what I'm saying? And so, again, it's not like I don't go and like, not like I'm not involved in sort of, I mean, I have an activistic sort of dimension to my life. That said, I feel like the best gift I can bring to the world is the highest expression of myself. Mm. And if I show up that way, that's to me the starting place. You know, it's like I can't control 
the world around me. I've, I've learned that in my life. You know, I'm pretty out of control when it comes to other people, places, and things, right? However, I do have the ability to work on myself. And if I do that first, then I'm more capable of addressing the problems in the world around me. So that's where I start. Yeah. Wow. That's a great, great place to start. And I know that you don't have a magic ball and you can't tell us what is going to happen. <laughs> Wish I did. I'd be, I, you know, right. I'd be rich. <laughs> right. Well, which one is the archetype or the, what is, are they types, numbers? What, what are Enneagrams? What sometimes are the we nine? call them types. Yeah. Sometimes we call them types. Sometimes we call them numbers. I like archetypes too. I think that's a great yeah. word. Yeah. And also in the story of you, my new book, I talk about them as narratives or stories that people inhabit as little people in order to make sense of the world. It took me so long to finally find what my bra size was. I had this weird thing where I couldn't find a bra that fit perfectly. Either the straps on the top were too tight or not tight enough, or I couldn't really get the exact measurement. It always felt like the bras that I would get were either a little too small in the cup or a little too wide in the strap area. And it wasn't until I took the quiz on Third Love that I found the perfect size for me and I've been getting all of my bras from Third Love since then. And this is the portion of the programming where I tell you how much I love my 24-7 classic t-shirt bra. It's super comfortable and I can wear it under any t-shirt and not have these weird bra lines. The memory foam cups give your boobs everyday comfort and support and who doesn't want that extra foamy support for the boobs i know i do it's available in cups a through i including third love's exclusive half cups going back to what i was saying earlier if you think you know what your bra size is i invite you to take the quiz anyway if you don't love your fit they'll exchange or return for free for up to 60 days Feeling is believing, my friends, so you can upgrade to everyday pieces that love your body as much as you do. And right now, for all of our Radically Loved listeners, they're giving you 20% off of your first order. All you have to do is head over to thirdlove.com forward slash loved. Give your boobs that 24-7 comfort and support they deserve. Head over to thirdlove.com forward slash loved. That's 20% off of your first order thirdlove.com forward slash loved. The VIP award for this book launch season has to go to Factor. Factor makes it easy for me to eat clean 24-7 with fresh, never frozen prepared meals that are so delicious you wouldn't believe they're actually good for you. And not only did I enjoy them so much myself, but Tori is obsessed. So now we have to get two separate deliveries because I'm definitely not sharing mine. Factor has saved me so much time by delivering chef-crafted meals to my doorstep, eliminating the hassle of grocery shopping and meal prep, not to mention the cleanup so there's no dishes. So Tori and I don't actually have to argue about whose dish turn it is. Each Factor meal arrives pre-prepared and they're ready to eat in two minutes. That's even faster than ordering in. And with more than 29 meal options each week, I'm never bored. They know all my preferences already. They offer vegan and veggie meals, which is what we get. They have keto, they have low calorie options, cold pressed juices, smoothies. They even have plant-based bars that'll keep you energized throughout the day. So you can try Factor today. Head over to go.factor75 dot com slash loved 120 and use the code loved 120 to get $120 off 
That's code LOVED120 at go.factor75.com forward slash LOVED120 to get $120 off your purchase. With Factor, it's so easy to eat well and stay nourished and focused throughout the day. I know that sometimes dressing for the spring can be really tough. I'm all about getting that good all-in-one wearable. I'm a big fan of the jumpsuit, a good romper, something that I could just put on and feel really good and fashionable in. And luckily, Faraday makes it so easy and really has the best jumpsuit and rompers I can find. Faraday is a family-run brand making high-quality, timeless clothing with modern design and functionality. It's the kind of effortless style you want every time you go digging in your closet. That perfect set, that shirt, that dress that feels like you've had for years. Maybe it's a gorgeous print or it just looks like it might be vintage, but it fits so well that it feels like it was just made yesterday. Well, that's Faraday. And right now, I'm really loving the Arlie Day romper in Stormy Seas. I wear it all the time. It's so comfortable. The quality is so good. And I get so many compliments on it. Again, I'm such a fan of having those special pieces that you can just put on. You can dress them up. You can dress them down. And they're super comfortable. And Faraday's so confident in the quality of their stuff. They have a lifetime guarantee of quality. They'll replace or fix your clothes forever, no matter what. Talk about making it easier to get dressed. And right now, Faraday is giving all of our Radically Loved listeners 20% off. That's 20%. So head over to FaradayBrand.com and use the code LOVED at checkout to get your 20% off all your new spring staples. FaradayBrand.com. That's F-A-H-E-R-T-Y Brand.com. Use the code LOVED for 20% off. Yes. Oh, I like that. So can you tell us a little bit more about that? Sure. So I think, and psychologists widely think, that all of us as little kids begin unconsciously crafting a story or a narrative about who we are and how we think the world works. I mean, very early in life, right? And, you know, that makes sense that we think of our lives narratively like a story, Right. We're always saying things like, you know, oh, I'm ending this chapter in my life or I'm turning the page in this relationship or, you know, we just we see our lives kind of like movies. And that's how we explain them to other people. You know, now the problem is there's a lot of broken elements in those early stories. We pick up false beliefs. We pick up real or perceived messages from parents, culture, peers, coaches, whatever. And we internalize them. Right. And now (laughs) those stories help us survive childhood without a story to explain who you are to yourself and others and explain to yourself how the world works. You'd be dead. I mean, you would just be dead in the water. But when you drag those broken stories into adulthood, they no longer serve you. They begin to work against you. Mm. Right. So think, for example, I've, I've mentioned the improvers, the ones, these perfectionists. And it's like that story helped them. Like my job is to perfect others and myself and the world because that's how I'm going to win love, right, from the people I care about most. Yeah. Well, you know what happens when you drag perfectionism into adulthood? <sighs> it makes you and oftentimes other people miserable, right? So that story has to be deconstructed. And I think what what makes the Enneagram so powerful is it says, look, here are nine stories that appear so often among people in the population that we should really pay attention to them. 
chances are, I guarantee you, everyone in this audience would end up listening. If they read about those nine types in the story of you, my new book, they would identify with one of them. You know, you don't have to understand identify the hundred percent of one you know even if you got to 75 percent that's probably yours the story that you identify with and the journey of healing the journey of self-knowledge is saying okay here's this worn out old script this burned out story with all these broken elements that i have brought into adulthood from childhood and i gotta get a new story because like frankly this old story sucks now and yeah. we, we've all had the experience. I mean, haven't you had the experience yeah. of saying to yourself something equivalent to this story no longer works for me. I have got to craft or narr- come up with a new narrative yeah. about myself and about the world. And that's what the whole book is about. That's what the Enneagram can help us do. Yeah, no, I love that. And I can absolutely relate to the changing of that narrative because had I not been able to change that narrative when I was a teenager, I would... I would have just ended up being another statistic like so mm-hmm. many of the people that I grew up with. I had the opportunity to have a different vision of of what my life could be. And it was only because I was reading books like John Kabat-Zinn, Wherever You Go, There You Are. And I was getting into the sort of like new agey experience of learning about meditation and learning about yoga philosophy. I I didn't actually practice yoga until many, many years after, but it was having that awareness of changing that sort of construct, that preconditioning of my childhood that I believed was a limiting experience and it wasn't serving my present state. And I think there is something beautiful, right, about having a history. And like you said, the story of who we are is who we are. You know, when you meet somebody, a lot of the times it's how we can relate to each other. I mean, you and I were able to connect on many different items, you know, different things that that we both said, oh yeah, like I I can resonate with that or or you resonate with me, I resonate with you. And I feel that what you're saying and what you talk about in the book particularly really creates an opportunity and an invitation to do that self-inquiry, to understand maybe what's serving us and what's not serving us and maybe how to utilize that to create a deeper understanding of who we are. Yes. And here's why I think, and this is a, a big statement, we become the stories we tell ourselves. It's just that simple. Our whole identity, our personality our way of moving through the world is organized around the story we tell ourselves about who we are, who we think other people are, mm-hmm. how we think the world works. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so if that story is wrong, we're in trouble, right? And I guarantee you, and people will have to sort of think about it, I've never met somebody who brought a story into their adult lives from childhood that was all that great. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> Well, I mean, you can have a wonderful childhood, right? But don't you, in my experience as a therapist, I think we're all recovering children. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I'm a parent. My kids are going to have this journey of like having to rewrite their narrative, right? You know, I think that the beauty of the Enneagram of this idea of reauthoring our story is, look, it would have saved me a lot of time if I'd read this book when I was 20 before Mm. I became a prescription pill addict and a, an alcoholic, because that behavior was a response to the pain of what that old story 
was doing to my life as, as a young adult. And so much of the journey for me for like 10 years was unwinding that crappy old story. If I'd had a book like this, it would have saved me time. You know what I mean? Like it, yeah. it just, if I had learned about Enneagram fours when I was 28, oh my gosh. I mean, I could have saved, I don't know how, five years in therapy, treatment. I mean, you name it, you know what I'm saying? So I don't know. I just wanted to spread the story to people like, here's the good news. You can change your story. You are not stuck. You are not stuck with this story. Like, okay, these are the cards. I got to play what I got. It's like, uh-uh. You have the agency and the power and the privilege of being able to come up with a narrative that deeply aligns with your values, deeply aligns with your hopes. And uh, there's a process that I help people walk through in order to begin crafting that new story. It's really powerful, powerful stuff. And I love the way that I've sort of, if I can say I love the way I, but you know, mm-hmm. I'm pleased with the way that I married kind of narrative therapy with the Enneagram. And I just think, hmm, so excited for other people to learn it. Yeah, no, I think it's wonderful. And I I love that too. I I really get I I there's a lot of I's right. It's so interesting well, to to identify as the I when trying to uh relate to others. I always find that such a paradox. And again, that's me just going into my hyper analytical mind. But I really do connect with everything that you're saying, especially when it comes to unraveling or you use the word deconstruct our, yeah, our conditioning, our, our upbringing or, or limiting beliefs that we, we may have. And um, I love that you said that this would have helped you when you were, when you were in the throes of, of your addiction, perhaps. What was it that set you on the path to healing, if you don't mind me asking? Oh, no, no problem. Well, I was 28 and my life crashed. And, you know, to be honest, it, it, you know, wasn't a straight line as is always the case, right? Those old stories are really powerful. They're sticky and they have a sort of a gravitational pull. It's all you knew, right? And so when you start to write a new story, it can be a little scary because it's like, well, who am I going to be without the old one? Right. You know? And so there is a little period of like hesitation and, you know, like learning how to walk again, you know? And, um, the inspiration for the book was I had my first sponsor was a Jungian analyst and an Episcopal priest. He was the coolest guy ever. He was 70 years old. I was a young kid. And I gave a talk one night at a 12-step meeting. And uh, the format of the meeting was one person in recovery shared their story of how they became an addict and then how they ended up in the program and what their life has been like since. And at the end of it, and it was like the classic Enneagram 4 story, I've got to tell you. And he said to me at the end of it, he said, uh, Ian, do you ever wonder if you're living in the wrong story? And I was like, what? That is like the most amazing, wonderfully disturbing question. Like at that point in my life, it was like, number one, I felt like, man, I hope so, because look where this one got me. You know what I mean? It's right. like, okay, I'm very open to the idea that I need a new story right? That question just haunted me for the longest time. It wasn't until I discovered the Enneagram that I put two and two together and I went, oh my gosh, here are these nine stories I see over and over again as a therapist, as a practitioner of the Enneagram. What if I could help people, to use that word again, deconstruct their crappy stories? Say goodbye 
You know what I'm saying? Like, just kiss the old ones. Because you know what? We should be grateful for the old one. Like, it helped you. So with kindness and compassion, we say, thank you, old story. It's time for a new one. Thanks for all you did for me. But I actually, I got to jettison you because you're not helping me anymore. You're you're really dragging me down. Yes. What would you say to the person that's listening to this or or watching this that's been so addicted to that old story because that's they've repeated it so many times they've lived in it maybe they're you know going through a really hard time right now they're transitioning their job or they're in between relationships or they're just having a really difficult time what would you say to the people that are that don't see how to even start to change that story sure well the first thing you know i think i would say is to one type of person in that category. (laughs) I meet so many people who have unconsciously given up on themselves, Mm. you know, and it's, it's heartbreaking because, you know, they've been through relationship after relationship after relationship, and they don't know why repeatedly the same thing seems to happen that tanks it. Right. Or they can never find their vocation. They are Maybe I just feel a drift. They feel like this kind of existential malaise. You know what I mean? Like they're just listless. It's like their life feels like they're wearing the wrong size clothes. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I just always want to tell these people, like, you don't have to give up on yourself. You just need to give up on the old story. It's like, don't give up on yourself. You're not the problem. It's the story that's the problem. And there's a there's a great do you know the the children's author Mo Willems? Yes. Oh right. He has this great quote. He says, if you find yourself in the wrong story, leave. <laughs> it's such a great quote. You know, it's like so straightforward. It's like, yeah, if you find yourself in the wrong story, leave. And it's like, so to that type of person, that that's what I would say. To the others, I would say, look, in the in the book, I give sort of a, a process that you can walk through to help you begin the journey of rewriting that story. And I think it's also a lifelong exercise, but you have to start, you know, with this awareness. Okay, I live in a story, right? Most people don't consciously walk around realizing that, oh, wait a minute, this Ian Cron is a story. Like I'm living in the story of Ian Cron, right? And the question is, is it true? And yeah, maybe pieces of it are, But a lot of it isn't, you know, like I grew up believing that there was something about me that rendered me fundamentally unworthy of love and relationship. Is that true? No, that's not true. I had to consciously exhume, you know, like dig that up and look at it and say, this has really cost me. And I've got to really rewind this because it's just not the truth. I am a beautiful human being full of original goodness. And I am worthy of love and relationship. And so that, that's got to be a part of the new story. And the other one, you got to go. Time to leave that story as Mo Willems would encourage yes. you to do. Thank you for sharing that. That's such a great point, such a great takeaway. You're a husband and a father. What is your prayer for your wife and for your children? Plural, singular. Wow. That's an amazing question that no one has ever asked me before. I guess where I would begin, and it sounds maybe, I don't know, predictable, but I want my kids to know 
and my wife to know, and I pray for them to know that they are fundamentally beautiful creatures, fundamentally beautiful and fundamentally broken. You know, we are, we are contradictions, aren't we? Yes. Uh, we know, I mean, the, the idea that to say we're not broken at some level just doesn't make any sense. I mean, look at the world. I mean, right. <laughs> human beings have some issues, right? Yeah. And so, you know, to own both sides of who you are so that you can begin to integrate them and uh, find healing. You know, the healing begins with rigorous self-honesty. These are the issues in my life. So rigorous self-honesty and then also rigorous self-compassion. Mm. And the, the ability to own the fullness of who you are, not to deny one thing or another. I know some people, they're addicted to I'm broken, to the exclusion of I'm beautiful. I've met some people who are just completely convinced that all they are is beautiful, but not broken. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Both extremes. You got to find a middle way, as our Buddhist friends would say, and, and sort of embrace both. And um, I don't really know of, of any way to do that except to use tools like the Enneagram. I, there are others, uh, modalities, things that we can tap into. But that's what I, I yearn for them. Because you know what? It took me a long time to get that. A long time. Yeah. Wow. I love that. I'm just literally, I've got so many other questions. I want to be respectful of your time. I do have one more question, but before I ask you the final question, where can people go for more information or to connect with you? Thank you. Well, the new book is called The Story of You and uh, an Enneagram Journey Toward Becoming Your True Self. Obviously, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, you can walk through the airport, see them on a table in Hudson News, whatever. It's out there. I know I just walked through an airport and there it was. And I was like, wow, look at that. That's so um, awesome. It was awesome. Anyway, so they can go to my website, Ian Morgan Cron, and I'll spell it because it's a wonky name. I-A-N-M-O-R-G-A-N-C-R-O-N.com. There they can learn about my all my different offerings. There's a ton of them, including my IEQ9 Enneagram assessment to learn your type. And then my socials are at Ian Morgan Cron across all the channels. Cool. We'll put the link to where you can buy the book and Ian's website on the show notes. So wherever you're listening to this, just hit the info button and all of those links will be there. If you're watching this video on YouTube, you can just go to the description below and get the links there. Rosie, if I'd known we were doing a video feed for this, I'd have, I'd have brushed my hair. That's all I want to say. <laughs> We do our best to let everybody know, but you know, we, we don't have a huge following on YouTube. So you guys, if you're just listening to this, go subscribe to my channel. We need more. No, they're going to go now just to see my hair. Exactly. They're all going to subscribe to YouTube right now. (laughs) Oh, that's hilarious. So, okay. Final question. I created this podcast to have a place for people to go to, to get inspired, to feel supported. The whole idea is that we are radically loved by God, source, whatever higher power of your understanding. The belief is that the universe works for us and not against us. So the final question to you is, how do you feel radically loved? Oh, that's beautiful. Wow, so many ways. So I do have practices like you do. I'm very much a, you know, a mindfulness practitioner in the Tibetan Buddhist uh, lineage. My wife and I practice yoga, go to classes at least four nights a week. 
So that's a big part of our spiritual diet. So I guess in part, to borrow a phrase from our probably someone, uh, an author that we mutually love, Pema Chodron, you know, to practice unconditional self-friendship, right? We're vegans. We try to eat well. No, I hate vegans. She's plant-based people. Because, you know, vegans can be just a little obnoxious. No, I know. Anyway. I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you all on all of that. We can talk after we're done, but go ahead. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, so practicing unconditional self-friendship. I mean, I always ask people, are you your own best friend? And they look at me like, I've never even thought about that. And I'm like, because, you know, that's one way that you might feel radically loved is not from an external source, but first from an internal source, right? And then, oddly enough, obviously my kids, my wife, my two dogs, I'm obsessed with dogs. I would say, I feel it. I love hiking. I love the outdoors. I'm very connected with nature. I would say that one of the places or the spaces in which I feel I get in touch with the radical interconnectedness of all things is in nature. And I feel profoundly loved when I'm out of doors uh, walking and hiking. So I don't know. Those are the first two things that come to mind. I will certainly in about 20 minutes from now kick, you know, you know, slap myself on the forehead and go, wait a minute. I should have said that. But no, we don't shit on ourselves on this podcast. Amen. Um, there you go. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm so grateful for you. Thank you so much for sharing your story and your wisdom and your book with us. We're always, always so excited to learn new things and uh, to meet new people. So Ian, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for your time. And we can't wait to have you on the show again. Please come back to see us. It would be an honor. Thank you. Everybody that's listening, thank you so much. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. And remember that you are Radically Loved. Thank you so much for listening to the Radically Loved podcast. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. And follow us on Facebook at Radically Loved Rosie, on Instagram at Rosie Acosta, and Twitter at Rosie Acosta. By the way, this is original music by DJ Taz Rashid. You can follow DJ Taz on Spotify and check out the best music for yoga and meditation. This has been a Mod Pod Studio production. Check them out at www.modpodstudio.com. <laughs>